Hello, and welcome to the episodic audiobook series where I, Con Lavery, read to you books that I wrote in a podcast format. So, for this series, we are covering Into the Macrocosm, short stories of the dark cosmic, bizarre, and the fantastic. We are in episode five now, and the other four are worth checking out because, even though this is a short story collection, there is an overarching plot that connects them through the protagonist, the Nameless One, and their ghoulish companion named Melferetes. So check those out if you haven't. And let's jump into this episode's short story. Four. Help! You shout, reaching up for the sky. The closeness of death was so real. Your heart is pumping, sweat drizzling along your skin, breath fast. Vision and control return and you find yourself staring at the beating stalactites above, gently dripping black liquid into the bowl. Malferetes raises his brow, watching you return to a relaxed state. I presume that wasn't a pleasant viewing, he asks. No, it was horrible. The man killed himself. The other man wasn't a real man. Was the first man you? The ghoul asks. No, I don't believe so, you say. Come to think of it, you're not even sure what you were, but are too flustered from falling off a skyscraper to think about anything further. You close your eyes and take a deep breath. You're okay. You're only an observer. We'll see if we can mix it up. Malferetes dips his claw into the bowl. Shall we go again? Let's, you say, mentally preparing yourself. As you've learned, anything can happen as an observer, and you feel everything. If you genuinely want to know who you are, you're going to have to be brave and fearless, possibly the most daring you've ever been. With your lack of memory, you don't know if you were ever courageous or perhaps you were the most. Either way, it's time to keep searching through observations. Keep yourself still. Wait and watch through the eyes of the flesh. Listen to me. Business as usual. Clicking keyboards, ringing phones, and working machinery filled the room with noise. Stacks of paper and large commercial printers were housed in the back room behind the lobby. Beeping from the front door came every quarter of an hour or so as customers entered and left the shop. The busy season. Summer had begun. Every individual was looking to get their posters made, wedding invitations prepared, or some other side project done. The giant corporate cheeses were looking for trade show displays, brochures, and booklets. It was a lot for everyone to keep up with at the shop. It also didn't help that they were understaffed and their boss didn't want to hire anyone. A lady let out a sigh while staring at the computer screen. There was a graphics software open with a business card photo and some basic shapes over top of it. Still tracing that logo? Called a man from the other end of the room. His puffy, frizzy, black hair bounced as he turned to face the lady. She put on a closed smile. She knew the man, Keegan. He liked to start small talk something she was not too fond of. She just wanted to get the job done and go home. The man sipped on his coffee, 
creating elongated slurping noises. Then, there was silence. She didn't want to do this mundane tracing task, but seeing that business card holder with the cards neatly angled upward was flattering. It made her look like some sort of professional. At the same time, the card design itself was hideous, making her feel incompetent at her profession. I would love to fix up that typeface. That coloring is awful. The logo needs work too, she thought, eyeing the mega speed print logo just above her full name. Heidi Harkovich, her title, graphic designer, was just below her name. Perhaps one day she could convince the boss that their whole visual communication needed improvement. Then she could have a decent portfolio piece and get out of this dead-end print job. Heidi could apply to a design studio and take on some actual challenging projects. Until then, she knew she'd be stuck tracing other designers' work, like today and tracing it from a photo of a business card, no less. A monkey's job. Real world stuff. High heels clicked as a shorter, middle-aged woman came into the office from the front lobby. It was Candace, owner of Mega Speed Print. She looked up at the mounted TV in the far corner of the room. You getting a look at this? Came her croaky voice. What do you mean? On the telly? Asked Keegan, adjusting his thick-framed glasses. That's what I'm saying, Candace said. It's completely bonkers. Look. The TV showcased the news, where a reporter and a cameraman riding on a helicopter overlooked the streets below. Crashed cars and civilians lay on the ground, and debris covered the pavement. The people that could move were running in all directions. Closed captions typed out as the reporter talked on the muted TV, saying... There are hundreds of people moving in a panic here in downtown London. My God, Heidi said, wide-eyed. It's like it's out of a movie or something. What is happening? Keegan asked. Candace pointed at the TV. That? Several people walked calmly down the road as civilians hurried away from them, like fish trying to escape a whale. There were a man and two women. All were wearing ordinary clothes, jeans, T-shirts, blouses, nothing obscure. The three each had one hand extended outwards, palms facing the crowd. Blood ran from their fingertips, drizzling down their skin and onto the pavement. They had blank stares on their faces, eyes completely white. Where are their pupils? Keegan asked. We continue to follow the three figures that were reported merely minutes ago. They seem to be following the crowds, causing disorder from their presence. What are they, terrorists? Keegan asked. I don't think so, Candace said. They just seem to be walking down the street. Whispers. A man on the TV dashed out from behind a wrecked car, holding the hand of a lady, trying to get by the three blood-fingered people who were slowly approaching. As a single unit, the three stopped walking and moved their hands palms forward towards the man and woman. Their target stopped dead in his tracks, and his hands began to shake. Then, his head. The lady tugged on the man's arm, trying to get him to move with her. She shook her head, crying and pulling on him with all her might. The man didn't budge, like he was glued to the ground. What is wrong with him? Heidi asked, watching in disbelief. This isn't anything like I've seen, ever she thought. She blinked twice, 
checking if she was still in control of the situation. She'd had pretty realistic dreams in the past and wanted to be sure she was awake. Yes, she was. The police are attempting to control the situation. Wait, we're now witnessing what these three are capable of. The cameraman adjusted the lens, zooming in on the five people. The closer view revealed the blood from the fingers seeped endlessly out from the cuticles of the three beings. It was an unnatural amount of blood. Their lips were moving, yet it wasn't clear what they were saying from the helicopter's height. As they talked, the targeted man began to shout erratically, looking up in the sky, arms coiling into fists. Red liquid oozed from his clenched hands, drizzling onto the road. The lady gently grabbed his arm, face drenched in tears. He relaxed his hand, shoulders lowering. His face released all tension while glaring at her with wide eyes, gently touching her face. She smiled at him and held his hand. The three blood-fingered figures each took a step closer to the man and woman, reaching their hands out as far as they could. The motion caused the man's eyes to twitch. He clutched the lady's face with force and she screamed. She tried to pull away with no luck. With his free hand, the man forged a fist. Letting out a roar, he slammed it into her face. Christ, Heidi said, looking away from the TV. She couldn't dare witness the intense violence. She never did handle it well and preferred to watch some reality TV for a few chuckles or spend the night at the pub, maybe get lucky with the man. To her, violence was just disgusting, especially real violence like this. He won't stop hitting her, Keegan exclaimed. Does the Prime Minister have anything to say about this? I'm not sure, I had have to look, Candace said. I saw this and came here to ask if you two knew anything about it. Heidi looked up at the TV again, watching as the man continued to assault the lady, her face now unrecognizable. It is unexplainable, Matt. We are simply reporting information as it comes in. The police are believed to be on their way. Remorse for the Unknown The blood-fingered three directed their hands away from the man. Their lips stopped moving, and they returned to their calm walking. Our respects go out to this tragic lady's family, the reporter said. Now why'd he go and do that for, running out in front of those three? Keegan asked. They didn't even touch him, Heidi said. He went completely loony. Are they using some nanotechnology? Keegan snorted. Nanotechnology? Lay off the TV, Heidi. It could be some sound-based hypnosis. Why are their hands bleeding? Heidi asked. Can we switch the channel at least? This is making me uncomfortable. Sure, Candace said with a sigh. The remote is around here somewhere. With all this commotion, business is sure to slow down. That doesn't matter much, I think. Look at what's going on, Keegan said. We rely on the busy season, Keegan. As you should know, that keeps you employed. You should be worried. I'm sure I will be tomorrow. Today, I want to know what the hell is going on here. He took a sip of his coffee and said, Can we change the channel to see if there are any other reports on this? Look for the remote, Candace said. Candace, came a young man's voice from the front desk. Yes, Mark, Candace replied with a groan. Heidi knew that Candace was testy with questions. Mark was the new guy, and he didn't know Candace's wrath yet. He was brave in his naivety. This invoicing software is being funny, 
Can you come take a look? Mark asked. On my way, Candace said. You two keep working. Don't let the rubbish on the telly distract you, she said before leaving the room. Another beep came from the front entrance. The front door was pulled open. More customers. Perhaps Candace was wrong about the day quieting down. An epidemic. Keegan watched as Candace left the room, waiting until she was gone. Then he spun his chair around to face Heidi, saying, Funny, ain't it? What? Heidi asked. The boss can come by and chit-chat with us, but when she's gone, it's back to work. This is some history in the making stuff in the news. He stared at the TV, watching the chaos. Heidi looked up for a moment to see that the cameraman had shifted the view to the news reporter. She gripped the microphone tightly. We're getting insight that this is not the first case. There are multiple reports across the country, just like the three we are witnessing below. Across the country? Are we under attack? Keegan asked, now fiddling with a pencil against his lip. We should get back to work, Heidi said, spinning her chair around to look at the graphics software again. A scream erupted from the front entrance. The sound of fumbling and crashing followed. Grunts, another crash, and a prolonged gurgle. Heidi stood up, mouth open, looking at the doorway. It was impossible to see anything other than the walls and the entrance door. Candace? Keegan called out while getting up from his chair. He looked over at Heidi as he walked towards the front entrance. Stay here, he whispered. Keegan crept up to the wall, getting closer to the entrance as more fumbling came from the front lobby. He took another step, glancing back at Heidi, then at the entrance. Help! came a worker's shout from the back room where the printers were. Somebody, please help! Mark, wait, what? Mark! A thumping sound came from beyond the office, silencing the worker. Another beep from the front door came. The door was pulled open. Keegan swallowed heavily before leaning forward, peeking around the corner, then bringing his head back. What do you see? Heidi asked. Nothing. No one is there, Keegan said. Heidi hurried over to Keegan and whispered, Who is calling for help? Dan? A scream came from the other room. Maybe, Keegan whispered, or Daniel. It's hard to tell. Think that has anything to do with what we heard on the telly? Heidi asked. She knew it was a stupid question. From what they'd heard, it was. She just wanted reassurance from someone. I'm going to guess so. Come, let's call the police, Keegan said while getting up. He quietly walked over to Heidi's desk, the closest to the entrance, and picked up the phone. He punched in the numbers and brought the receiver to his ear. Heidi crept over to Keegan, keeping her eyes on the entrance, just in case someone was to come into the room. She couldn't help but wonder what had happened out there. The line is busy, Keegan said coldly. What do you mean? Heidi asked. I can't get a hold of them. There's nothing here, Keegan said. We're on our own. Heidi felt her heart race. Who had yelled from the back room? Who else was in the print shop? There were no answers, and no rescue from the police in sight. Keegan and Heidi would have to fend for themselves. Backup. The two stared at one another for several moments while the sound of screams came from the back of the print shop. If anything about the television report was right, then, only two rooms away, someone's life was being taken from them. Their co-workers, 
People they saw every day were now fighting for their lives, and Kiki and Heidi just stood there in their office, listening. Heidi wanted to run and get as far away from this chaos as she could. She also knew that there was nowhere to go. The TV showed that the streets of London were far worse than the print shop, and the police weren't picking up the phone. I want to try my mum, Heidi said, snagging the phone from Keegan's hand. Keegan scratched his neck and looked towards the entrance of the office room. We might want to focus on what is right in front of us. Heidi ignored his comment, punched in the numbers of her mum's home line, and waited. The phone rang for several moments before a crackly old voice picked up, saying, Hello, you have reached the residence of Lacey Harkovich. Voicemail. Heidi muttered, while pressing on the hook to dial a new number. She had friends, ex-boyfriends, and family. She wasn't alone in this situation and wasn't going to give up just yet. Heidi, Keegan said. Heidi snagged her smartphone, thinking perhaps the print shop's line was the issue and tapped her cousin's number. She listened to the phones ringing again. Heidi, Keegan said once more. Heidi raised her index finger hoping it would silence Keegan so she could try and get anyone on the line. She didn't want to listen to whatever Keegan had to say. He liked to ramble. The phone continued to ring with no answer. No one is picking up, Heidi said. I'll try Reeves. The word ended in a groan. The thought of her recent ex made her sick. But at this point, she was willing to try anyone. She needed to hear a familiar voice. Heidi, Keegan said sternly as he placed his hand over her phone. The abrupt action from Keegan caught her attention. He never acted out so intensely. This was serious. He pointed to the other room. I think whatever we saw on the telly is happening right now in the print shop. We'd best jet from here for our own safety. I know, Heidi said. Then why are you trying to dial numbers? Keegan asked. I want to know if my loved ones are safe, I think. So you tried Reeves? Keegan asked, raising his eyebrow. Heidi let out a sigh and looked to the ground. <sighs> all right. All right, I'm scared. What the hell is going on, Keegan? Keegan pushed his thick-framed glasses up with his finger. I don't know, but we probably shouldn't stick around here for much longer. Whoever is in the back room is still here. He glanced around the office, looking at the different desks. His eyes locked onto a hole puncher and he rushed over to the desk, snagging it. We need weapons, he said, shaking the hole puncher, causing paper fragments to fall out of the bottom. That's not much of a weapon, Keegan, Heidi said. Better than anything we have right now, Keegan said. Come, stay behind me. There are two of us and one of them, I think. The Great Escape Keegan was the brave one, creeping towards the office entrance. This was real. Keegan was going to investigate and Heidi had to follow. She wanted to hide under her desk and hope for the whole damn thing to blow over. At the same time, she couldn't just leave Keegan to fend for himself. Whoever was out there had taken out at least two people on their own. Who knew what type of madness was out there? Keegan needed her to back him up. Heidi took a deep breath, thinking, You got this. She mustered up the courage and grabbed her purse from her desk couldn't leave that behind. She took a step forward, feeling every thread of her clothing fabric move against her skin. The adrenaline buzzed through her, amplifying all her senses. 
and she even picked up on Keegan's musty smell. The two reached the entrance. Keegan took a step forward, exposing himself to the other room. He continued to move, keeping the hole puncher held high, ready to strike. Heidi entered the lobby, looking around to see that the space was empty. No customers were in view. The chairs were left as they always were. The entrance and the back room were eerily quiet. Usually, phones were ringing, clients were talking, and the loud machinery of the printers was going on throughout the day. Now, there was only silence. Heidi took another step into the new space and spotted a pool of blood oozing from behind the front desk, where an older lady's hand lay limp on the ground. That had to be Candace. The front desk monitor was missing. The keyboard, mouse, and various papers scattered the surface area. There had to have been a struggle here. Heidi lightly tapped Keegan's shoulder. He jerked. Look, she whispered, pointing at the hand. The two reached the counter, leaning over to see that their boss was on the ground with glass shards in her skull. Blood oozed down her face beside a broken monitor. Her neck was red and blue, and some of her clothes were torn. Is she alive? Heidi asked. Keegan looked at Heidi with a cold stare, saying nothing. His silence was enough for her to know what he was implying. Candace, their boss, was indeed dead. Should we check the back room? Heidi asked. Yeah, let's see if anyone else is alive, Keegan said. Do you think? There was Candace, you, me, Mark, Daniel, and Dan. Don't forget about Richard. Was Richard working today? I believe so. Okay, okay. Heidi looked at the front entrance. Okay, Heidi said while unbuckling her purse. She searched through it and pulled out her keys, feeling them jingle in her hand. I can drive around back, Heidi said. What for? So we can approach it from the other end? Maybe the killer is out there, Keegan said. I'd prefer if we didn't run into them, Heidi said. We have to if we want to save who's left. What is our plan here? Heidi snapped. Honestly, I want to get my car and get the hell out of here. I say we go check on the others. Besides, I parked in the back, Keegan said. What? Heidi exclaimed. Hush, Keegan said. Why would you park in the back? Heidi asked. Because Candace was getting upset that the staff were taking up all the front parking and leaving none for the customers. I was just trying to keep the boss happy. A crash came from the back room. Keegan held the hole puncher up high, glaring towards the entrance behind the front desk. From the doorway, the printers and shelves stacked with empty papers stocks were visible. Everything else in the back was a concerning mystery. Company Someone is still back there, Keegan said. Come on, let's go check it out. Keegan, no, please. Can we just get to my car? Heidi begged. Keegan shook his head and took a step forward, and then another. Heidi glanced back and forth between the front entrance and her co-worker, who walked around the front desk, approaching the back room. She couldn't leave him behind. Damn you, Keegan, Heidi whispered under her breath, hurrying to catch up to him. Keegan carefully crept around the front desk in Candace's body as Heidi caught up. He gave her one nod of confirmation and stepped into the back room. The printers were still on. They weren't processing any of their jobs. The workers in the back were nowhere to be found. Let's check behind the next shelf, 
Jigen said while walking toward the next aisle, separated by shelves of paper stock and completed print jobs. A bludgeoning sound picked up as they approached the new aisle. Keegan slowed down, coming to the side of the aisle, one step away from standing out in the open. The pounding was louder now, dull, like flesh. Heidi took a deep breath. She wasn't sure what she was supposed to expect on the other side of the shelf, but she knew they were going to find out and it wasn't going to be good. Careful, Keegan said, as one. The two synchronized their movements, both poking their heads around the shelf to see that a tall, gangly man with dark hair was on his knees, forehead against the floor. He raised his head slowly, blood dripping from his face, and then slammed it back down onto the concrete, causing his face to crack and blood to splatter onto the floor. Blood seeped from his fingers, just like on the TV. Friends are crazy. Mark? Keegan whispered. Look, Heidi said, nodding at two bodies behind the man. Can you tell who those are? That red sweater, Dan for sure. I think the other is Daniel from his height. Where's Richard then? Heidi asked. I don't know, Keegan muttered. Those blood-fingered freaks got to Mark, Heidi said. It appears so. They've made him crazy. Mark let out a loud shout and stood up from his kneeling position. He continued to shout throat tensing up and face crunching as he clenched his fist. He repeatedly slammed his fist into his bloody face, coating his hand in a mixture of blood and saliva. Why is he doing that? Heidi asked. It's like a child, but violent, Keegan observed. Possibly. Maybe we can check the security camera, see what happened, Keegan whispered. Do you know how to access them? Heidi asked. No, Candace always has the key. Maybe it's in her office. I say hell with it, Heidi said. Let's get out of here. What about Richard? Keegan asked. He's not here. We checked the lobby in the back room. Mark let out another loud shout and picked up speed, running in their direction. Look out, Keegan said, ducking back, pulling Heidi with him. The shouts grew louder, footsteps thundering. Keegan tightened his grip on his hole puncher, ready to attack. Mark dashed from the aisle and away from Keegan and Heidi, charging straight into the nearest shelf. The impact caused the structure to wobble, toppling down onto him, burying him in paper stock and wood. Pieces of paper flew off the shelves and into the air, scattering in all directions. Heidi and Keegan took a step back. Mark was buried entirely by the paper and rubble. What was that about? Heidi asked. Keegan shook his head. He has no brains left. I've never seen anything like it. Is he dead? Heidi asked, taking a step closer. Keegan grabbed her wrist. Don't. I think it's safe to say we have time. A knock came from the exit leading to the lobby. They both jumped, spinning around to see a larger man with a neckbeard raising his hands. Guys, he said. Richard, Keegan said, relaxing his arms. Where the bloody hell were you? He asked. In the washroom, he shook his head. Jesus, what is going on? I locked myself in there when I heard all the screams. You chicken shit, Heidi cursed. Keegan and Richard looked back at her, squinting at the sudden harsh language. I mean, it, it's, it's good to see you, Heidi said with a forced smile. The words even surprised Heidi. She wasn't usually one to lash out at people. Perhaps all the stress from work and this epidemic was making her a little loopy. Regardless, here they were, the last of Mega Speed Print. 
They still had no idea what was happening, nor who the blood-fingered three were. Fear was a guarantee. The future was unknown. For all they knew, things were going to get worse. One thing was certain, they could finally leave work. It wasn't like the boss could give them grief for leaving early. The country was in chaos, not to mention, she was dead. They didn't need to listen to her anymore, even in the busy season. Now Heidi could get a better graphics designer job, presuming the blood fingers didn't get her next. And that is the end of episode 5 for Into the Macrocosm. A bit of a longer short story, but uh, kind of bizarre with not quite zombies, but they're definitely possessed people, or cult people, that uh, make other people go loopy. I hope you enjoyed this short story, and if you can't wait for the next episode, you can grab the whole audiobook, or the print, or the ebook on all major distributors like Amazon and Kobo and Apple Books, or Audible depending on what you like. And do share with your friends, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Ciao.